Well, good morning, church. That was pretty amazing. And there's a part of me that really wishes I could loosen up enough as a human being to approach Sunday mornings with that kind of joy and that kind of open-heartedness and excitement. Uh, and it, w- it helped me uh, to listen to Holly tell a story that I've heard a thousand times in my life in a way that was designed for the, the youngest hearts in this room to understand. And it just struck me how that's not on accident. That Jesus tells us time and again that the kingdom belongs to the children. And Isaiah tells us that the coming kingdom is a place where children will lead us. And I love to think that they would lead us in that kind of parade, a resurrection parade. The last week of of Jesus' life, there's so much going on. I mean, he, he comes into Jerusalem as the king of his followers, as the one who, who their hearts and their souls pay allegiance to. They, they look at the world as it is. They think about King Caesar and the kind of world that he's bringing about, and, and they don't have a place in it. But they have a place in Jesus' kingdom. And so they, they take the risk of offending the people in power. They, they take the risk of scaring the people who are benefiting, who, who are, are managing to, to navigate through the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of the kingdom of Caesar, the people who would never say, this is the way the world was supposed to be, but they would say, I figured out how to get through that world, how to get ahead in that world. So if you're going to turn it all upside down, Jesus, that makes me feel threatened. That makes me feel intimidated. That makes me feel scared. And so if there's any way for me to stop it, if there's any way for me to stop you from changing everything, I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's the only reason strong enough, it's it's the only reason from the wisdom of the world that's good enough, that makes enough sense for the Roman leaders and the religious leaders to start to figure out how they can work together to stop Jesus, to silence Jesus. Now, this last week of his life, it, it brings things into sharp focus, not only for his friends and his followers, but also for those, those leaders, those, those powers that be, because as we just celebrated together, it's not just the beginning of the week that they're paying attention to. It's what happens later in the week. It's the Passover. It's the time of the year when anybody with a, with a Jewish faith who could manage to get back to Jerusalem would try to get to Jerusalem to celebrate that meal. Which means that it's the time of the year when the, most, the, the highest number of able-bodied Jewish men who could fight a war, who could start a revolution, they were all concentrated in the city of Jerusalem. 
And so all Jesus has to do, this is what they're afraid of, right? All he has to do is say the word and the revolution might start. And if against all odds it somehow works, if those Jewish men and women and children, if they believe enough in what Jesus is saying and they fight for his cause, they might just manage to overthrow the Roman occupiers who are holding them down just in that city. And if one city falls and an empire as big as that Roman empire, if one city goes down, all the other cities, who are sick and tired of Rome telling them what to do and how to live, they may take a shot at it as well. So they're all ears when the religious leaders come to them and say, we we know where he's going to be and we know how we can deliver him to you. See, one of his followers, Judas, he's come to us and he's working with us. And we can stop it all. We can see it through. Now, meanwhile, in that last week, Jesus is preaching and he's, he's telling stories and he's continuing to reach the hearts and minds of the people who call him king. But they're not the powers that be. They're not the, the people who hold all the cards. They're just not. And so while they're not paying close attention to what's happening behind the scenes, Jesus knows what's happening behind the scenes, and he knows that time is running out. And so after they have this meal together, after they celebrate and and retell the story of God's amazing power to save and to rescue against all odds, he goes out to get ready for what's coming. He goes to a garden And he starts to pray. And what we find in that moment is something that we we might not have noticed every step of the journey. And as a church, for the the last couple of months, we have been journeying together through the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to be reading from Matthew this morning as well. We, We may not have noticed every step of the way through that journey just what is at stake Because I think sometimes you and I, we have heard this story so many times if we've grown up in church. And even if we haven't grown up in church, we've heard the basics of the story so many times. And it happened so long ago that there's a part of us that thinks this is exactly how it had to go. But it only goes the way that we get to hear it. And we get to picture it. And we get to imagine it. And we get to believe in it. It only happens that way because Jesus chooses for it to happen that way, and not just once, right? Jesus has to keep choosing the path that God is calling him to take over and over again. At any point, Jesus could have said, you know what? I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm doing this. I, I don't think I can do this. And yet every time he has a moment where he has to make a choice, he chooses to keep going. He chooses to stay faithful. And he asks the same thing of his disciples. He asks the same thing of his followers. We don't just get to follow Jesus in the parts of the story that we like. We have to learn how to follow Jesus in the parts of the story that we don't like, the parts of the story that scare us, the parts of the story where we're not sure exactly how it's going to turn out. And I know that Jesus has to wrestle with making this choice over and over again because he's still wrestling. 
After everything he's been through, after all the things that, that he's done to, to usher in the, the kingdom of God and to the experience of ordinary men and women and children all around him, after everything he's already sacrificed, he's still wrestling with that choice. Let's read that part of the story together now in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. So they've had this meal together, and then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, stay here while I go and pray over there. When he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, he began to feel sad and anxious. Have you ever felt sad and anxious? Have you ever wrestled with the truth that because Jesus wants to know exactly what it's like to be a human being, because Jesus wants to know exactly what it's like to feel like you in all of the moments that you feel, that Jesus, the Son of God, had moments in his life when he, feel, he, he felt anxious? When he felt overcome with sorrow? Okay, verse 38. Then he said to them, I'm very sad. It's like I'm dying. Stay here and stay awake with me. Then he went a short distance farther, fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it's possible, if it's possible, right, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not what I want, but what you want. He came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, because it's always Peter, couldn't you stay awake just one hour with me? Stay awake and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he's not just talking to Peter there, he's talking to himself. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The second time he went away and prayed, my father, if it's not possible that this cup be taken away unless I drink it, do you notice the difference in the wording of the prayer the second time? The first time he says, if it's possible. The second time he says, because it's not possible, right? It's, it's not possible. Then let it be what you want. So something's happened between the first time Jesus started to pray and the answer that He's received from God, but he's not done praying. He's not done asking. Verse 43, again, he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy with sleep, which means he found them sleeping. He tried to wake them up, and he couldn't. He left them and went again and prayed the same words for the third time. He came to his disciples and said to them, will you sleep and rest all night? Look, the time has come for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. The word there is rise up, which I love because I think it's anticipating what's going to happen three days after the cross. Rise up. Get up. Let's go. It's time, right? Look, here comes my betrayer. So I, I, I've spent my life in church, and I have tried to picture what this moment was like for Jesus Alone, in the dark. And he doesn't want to be alone. He's asked Peter, James, and John to stay close and to stay awake. 
but they can't do it. They, they can't manage to pull that off. So, so he is alone, but not really, because he's talking to his father, and he's honest. He speaks the truth of what he's feeling. After everything he's been through, after everything he's done, after everything he's said, after everything he's sacrificed, there's still a part of him that wants to believe there's another way. There's a part of him that wishes that somehow there's a way for him to keep his promise in a way that isn't going to be this hard, this difficult. And so he, he says that, if, if it's possible, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But then he says something that I think is just as true. With, with as anxious as he is and as sad as he is and with as afraid as he has to be, he says, not, not what I want, but what you want. I want you to hear me, God. I, I want you to know the desires of my heart. But even more than I want you to hear me and do what I'm asking you to do, I want you to hear me, and then I need you to do what you know is right, what you know is best. Man, the faith, the trust. This this wrestling match that's going on with Jesus in the garden, right, it, it helps us understand that it's not just a story about him, it's also a story about us, right? That we all have to go through our own spiritual wrestling match between what we want and what God wants. That there's not just one garden of Gethsemane in the world. I mean, I know geographically and all that, but... But there's countless gardens of Gethsemane that you and I find ourselves in where we have these key decision moments in our lives and we're wrestling in prayer with God and, and we have to find the courage and the trust and the strength to speak our hearts, to speak our minds, to share what it is that, that we're feeling and what we're going through and yet in, in the midst of all that say, I know what I want, I know what seems best to me, but God, I can't see as far as you can see. I, I can't understand the way you can understand, and so I need you to hear me, but then I need you to do what you know is right, and what you know is best. And this wrestling match, you know, I, there's another story in the Bible where there's this guy, and he's alone at night, Jacob, and suddenly this stranger throws himself at Jacob and they start wrestling and they wrestle all night long and right as the sun is beginning to come up over the horizon, Jacob manages to kind of wrench a blessing out of this person he's been wrestling with and it turns out that it's God. Jacob is wrestling with God all night long and he doesn't know it. And you know what? Jesus isn't wrestling with God as much as he's wrestling with himself. And the same thing 
is true for us. We're not, we're not wrestling with God as much as we are wrestling with our desires, with our wills, with our version and vision of the future. Jesus isn't trying to force God's hand to do what he wants, desperately wants in this moment. Jesus is instead trying to wrestle himself in submission to the will of his Father. Because God isn't going to make Jesus do anything. God's not going to wrestle, wrestle Jesus into submission. God, God is there, present, and waiting for Jesus to come to that place through his own choice, through his own decision. And you know, there are so many times in my life when I wish it was as easy as just telling God one time, you know, from here on out, I just want you to run my life. From here on out, I just want you to make all the decisions. From here on out, I just want you to be the one. You, you know better than I do. So I'm just, this one time, I'm going to tell you that I'm handing the keys of the car of my life over, and it's all you from here on out. But the reality is, there's not just a bunch of gardens of Gethsemane in the world. There's a bunch of garden moments in my own spiritual life. Where time and again, I come to this place where I have, to, I have to find the courage. I have to remember all the times that God has been faithful to me before in moments when I wanted to do something else. And yet I found the, the, the ability to trust and to do what God was asking me to do. And I know how those moments in my life turned out. And I know how God used them and blessed me and other people through them. And so I have to find that strength and that, that ability to be brave one more time and say... It's not what I want. It's what you want. Here you go. Here's my life again. Here's my future again. You know, what's, what's interesting is it's, it's not that Jesus wants to get to a different place or have a different outcome. It's that he wants to get there a different way. Because right? in the garden, Jesus... Jesus wants what he has always wanted. He wants to help God save the world. But what he's really praying for is to find a way to help God save the world where it doesn't cost his life. And yet the truth is, there's no way to help God save the world. That, that doesn't mean that we have to find ways to give our lives away. Just like Jesus, we want to we change the path, right? We're not trying to change the outcome. We're not trying to change the, des the destination. We, we all are trying to get to that place that God has laid out for us. If we're people of faith, we want more and more of the, of the folks in our lives to be able to come to faith and to have a relationship with God that's saving and to get to be in eternity in that relationship with God. We want the same outcome. We just wish it didn't ask so much of us. Or at least I do. You know, I wish there was a, a version of the gospel that I just got to benefit from that I didn't actually have to participate in. Doesn't work that way. 
If Jesus' way of life and death and resurrection is ever going to become my way of life and death and resurrection, you can't skip over the death part. And just like Jesus, there's the spiritual dying to ourselves that has to happen over and over again. Not a single one of us can physically die for the sake of the world and save everybody, the way Jesus is able to die for the sake of the world and save everybody. But you and I, all of us, have the ability to die to ourselves for the sake of other people so that they can encounter the goodness and the mercy, the power, the compassion, the future that God has for them. If we're going to be a part of what God's doing there, it's going to always cost us more than we want to give. But God's going to ask anyway. He's going to keep asking. And you and I have to find a way to echo Jesus' prayer, to tell God the truth about what we want, and then to accept that the truth is, if we're going to be a part of what he's doing, it's going to cost us more than we're prepared to give. Always. You know, we, we can't do what only Jesus can do. But we can manage to do what Jesus asks us to do in this story. We can stay close to him, even when it hurts, and we can stay awake with him, even when it's hard. He doesn't ask Peter and James and John to physically get up and go to the cross with him and die on either side of him, though that's what James and John actually asked to do, even though they didn't know that's what they were asking to do. And even though Peter tells Jesus, I'll never fall away, I'll never deny you, I'll never, I'll never be you know, in a position where I'm going to walk away from my faith and my trust, they all, all of them, right, all of them struggle. All of them, in one way or another, fall away. Jesus isn't asking them, and he isn't asking us in any way, shape, or form to replace him. He's one of a kind. But he's also the first of many. He's the firstborn of the people who find ways to die themselves, to give themselves away for the sake of the world, and when it comes to the moment in our lives when it's not just a spiritual dying to ourselves we have to endure, but we actually lose our physical lives, he's the one who's shown us the way beyond death. He's one of a kind, but he's a first of many. And he doesn't ask us to be able to accomplish in our deaths what he alone is able to accomplish, but he does ask us to stay close to him even when it it hurts, and to stay awake with him even when it's hard. And let me tell you specifically the ways in which I think we pull away from him, we distance ourselves away from him, and we fall asleep. It's the places in our world where Jesus wants to go and in fact is going. The people who have problems that are too complicated for us to know how to fix on our own. The, the places in our world that make us feel anxious and nervous and overcome with sorrow. 
Those are the places in our lives, brothers and sisters, where I think we want to run away from them. We want to run away from those situations. We want, want to run away from those people. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm with them. You know, in the last week of his life, he tells a parable, the sheep and the goats. And he talks about the fact that you want to know where he is in our world, where he's, he's everywhere, where people are hungry and they're hurting and they don't have enough clothes and they don't have a safe place to sleep and they, they don't have the basic necessities of life. And he says, you know how, how you know if you're my person, if you're my people, if you're my follower, if you're my sheep, you're going to be there with me. And you're going to find me there in those situations and in those faces and in those, those complicated circumstances where you realize you're in over your head and the only way you're going to be able to bring about something good is if I show up and help you. Don't run away from the, the hurting places and the hurting people in this world. Don't write people off. Don't decide that it's easier to just go, asleep, go, go to sleep and, and dream of something else. He says, no, stay close. Stay awake. Watch this. Watch the pain and the sorrow. And find the strength, not just to watch it, but to do something about it. It's so easy, brothers and sisters, it's so easy to fall asleep because we feel overwhelmed. When I was uh, growing up, my parents listened to all kinds of different Christian music, and, and I go back sometimes to listen to the songs that I, I heard growing up, and I think, how did I ever like this style of music? There was one Christian singer, this was a long time ago, his name was Keith Green. Uh, we sing some of the songs that Keith Green wrote, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's Own Son. There's some songs we sing, My Eyes Are Dry, My Faith Is Old. My... But he had this one song that's always stayed with me, and it's a song that he sings to the church, and he says, you know, it's one thing for us to judge the world for being asleep in the dark, but who are we to say anything because we've managed to fall asleep in the light? Ouch. It helps that it's such a cheesy song musically that I just don't have to listen to it that long. But the music doesn't really matter. It's the words that matter. Because brothers and sisters, I think that too often we fall asleep in the light. We get comfortable. We feel warm in that light. We feel thankful for what Jesus has done and then we hope he doesn't ask us to do. Church, if we're going to live in the light, let's be awake in it. Let's be awake to all the things that God is doing in our world where at times it feels like darkness just might have the upper hand. And then, isn't that what we're celebrating in a week from now? That we think darkness is the one writing the story? And you know how it all changes? It changes when God, who's found a way to have a human soul, wrestles with himself to the point where he says, I want to I give up, I want to do something else, this is too hard, this is too messy, and I feel alone. And suddenly, in the midst of all that, he says, you know what? 
I know that's how I feel, and I know that's what I want in this moment, but what I really, really want, God, is for you to do what you know is right and what you know is best. And if I have to lose everything to save everyone, take it. Can you imagine what a church full of people who made that choice over and over and over again, what we would be able to do with God's help in the life of the world? It wouldn't be Easter one Sunday a year. It'd be Easter every day of the year. Let's pray. God, as we think about the last week of Jesus' life, we think about the wrestling match, the choice that he made to do what he promised to do, even though it didn't feel like he could go through with it. God, we, we want to be people who are caught up in that story, redefined by it. We want to be a church of people of people. We, we want to be a church of men, women, and children who, when it comes to those moments when you're asking for more than we're ready to give, if you're asking it to help you save the world, God, give us the strength and the courage to say yes, to choose you, to choose your dreams and your future more than we hold on to our own. And God, as we get ready as a culture to celebrate, in a broad sense, what we celebrate all the time as, as Christian people, the, the power of the resurrection, I pray that as we get closer to this next Sunday morning, God, that you will work your resurrection power in us and through us, and we will find a way to stop running from the darkest places in our lives, in our world, that we would stop falling asleep to all the things that just seem too big and too complicated. God, we pray that you would bring us close and wake us up and help us be your people again. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.